Hello, welcome to episode 260 of the What Nots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV show, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and talk about it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Hello, hello. I have a soda oh. here to, to try out while we're doing this podcast. This is a Buena Vista Black Cherry from the Rocky Ooh. Mountain Soda Company. I uh, recently went up to uh, the, like, I forget the full name of it, but it's like a Pops soda yes. gas station diner thing all in one. They have a bunch of different, like, small town soda from all over the country and all sorts of wild flavors. Um and so I'm going to be having on having these on, on mostly over on the captain's log, but uh, our soda headquarters while. Yeah, I'll, I'll have one here on the review show. So we'll see how this right. one is. It's a, it's an old glass bottle. It has like a light purple label on it with a badger Ooh. on it. So we'll see. We'll see how this one is. interesting not a cola <laughs> i thought this was yes. gonna be a cola it is more like a j like just like a, sh a straight up like cherry soda like a black cherry yeah. soda rather than like cherry cola cool interesting that's what i've been up to <laughs> melissa how are you <laughs> we're recording on a monday night which is quite rare for the review show normally this is a monday uh, a sunday morning podcast so yes yeah i can see how you might not crack open a, a black cherry soda at 11 a.m on a sunday morning but this wow. is an evening beverage melissa it's, it's me I, I have all the soda in the world um <laughs> Uh, but typically yeah. you've got your, your classic <laughs> apple juice in the morning. You're also a big Something apple like juice fan. Apple juice <laughs> or a smoothie. Apple something. juice is the third like host. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by apple juice. Um, good stuff. Yeah, we're recording this on a Monday night because uh, you didn't have power yesterday. I did not. Um, well, big, big I, I, had, I missed. I didn't. It was only a matter of hours, just a couple hours on like late Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. But that was the one time slot I had to watch the movie we're discussing today. So because of that, we had to shove recording all the way back to Monday night. Indeed. Uh, it is also, I, I guess you could say it's July 4th weekend. Um, it's not, I mean, July 4th is on a Tuesday, but so I guess yeah. it's not really a weekend, but it's been a holiday celebration all weekend. My neighbors had a full mariachi band in their backyard wow. Sunday afternoon. Uh, my partner and I were just sitting on our couch reading comics, listening to a mariachi band. It was great. Nice. <laughs> was this for a party or just for the private entertainment of the household? I It, it had to have been some kind of party because there were a lot of people over. Um, they recently just got a 
pool in their oh, backyard. That's how you christen a new pool is you bring right? in a whole mariachi band. Exactly. But they 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 have a small kid who plays soccer. He's the one that always kicks the soccer balls over into our yard. They also have like a, a trampoline in their backyard. They have all sorts of stuff. And they have, they seem to have a big wow. family. So I don't know if it was like someone's birthday or maybe they were just being like, hey, this is our our 4th of July party since it's during the week, right? And who, who knows? Um, wow. But yeah, uh, 4th of July weekend. And here at the podcast... We have a, a certain way of celebrating yes. 4th of J -J July. Melissa, take it away. This is only our second year of doing so, but we have decreed that the first weekend of July every year is National Treasure Weekend, where we discuss a film starring Nicolas Cage. We kick our it off last treasure. year with <laughs> the only place to start with both National Treasure movies. We watch both. And this year... I pitched you several Cage films and you picked the one that had the most Cage in it because he plays a dual role. We are watching Adaptation. Adaptation with a period at the end yes. of the title. <laughs> Melissa kindly pointed out to me before we went live. Um, yeah, Adaptation. I'm excited to talk about this one because this is... It's interesting because it is it's not one that I had heard of. Um mm. and walking away from this, this was a great movie. This was awesome. Nice. Um I I liked it a lot. It's different. I I I don't know exactly what I expected. I I think I was expecting I, I want to say weirder, but weirder in the sense of like Nicolas Cage being weird. Um, <laughs> sure. And there, there is some some weird Nicolas Cage stuff happening in this, but not to the extent that I was thinking. And this mm. is this almost kind of ends up being a crime movie and like a, a fairly <laughs> like straightforward crime movie. But also that's not it at all right just one part of it is yeah right yeah there's so much happening in this may it like not it's not that there's so much, so much happening it's just multi-layered um yes there's yeah it is a movie about the making of the movie that you're watching and half of the stuff that is happening is real or based on real <laughs> things but then also half of it is just made up and it's it's not real so it makes this whole brand new story it's kind of a wild ride as soon as you think it's just kind of go with nowhere and meandering it just out of left field swoops <laughs> in it's just like what am i watching this is fascinating um, so yeah i'm, I'm stoked <laughs> I, I am happy you enjoyed this. This is a movie that had been on my two watch list for 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, around this time, around the early 2000s, I was a little movie nerd and I would watch a lot of Ebert and Roper at the movies. <laughs> and I'd watch the Oscars just while the Lord of the Rings movies were in session. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back on it now. I'm back on the Oscars train now. 
but that's as far as I could get myself invested in it when I was in middle school. But I remember seeing the reviews on adaptation and I wanted to check it out, but I knew it was like kind of above my level being 12 years old. And it just took me ages to get back around to it. I kept meaning to pitch it here on the show. Yeah. Tried different themes that never quite fit. And I'm like, I really want this to be our Nicolas Cage movie this year. And I'm happy you agreed. I'm happy I was able to cross that off uh, a 20 year film list. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think what surprised me the most is just how much this had never made it on my radar. Um, hmm. And it, it, it's I, I, I think part of that is because of how much of a meme Nicolas Cage has become. Um, yeah. In, in the sense that like he is often talked about in conversations of like, oh, he'll just take whatever role. He does these dumb, terrible movies. And then maybe every once in a while you'll get like a, a, a good Nicolas Cage thing. Mm. But you get the like, they're, they're like, man, Nicolas Cage is weird. He makes some weird choices in his movies. Why does he pick these? Like, why does he act in 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 these the way that he does? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think this is such like it in a strange way. This feels like such a straightforward Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. That I'm I'm surprised like I, <laughs> this isn't one that people have been like, but this one is 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 mm. good. You need to go watch that. And obviously, people have been out there being like, this is a good movie, mm-hmm. um, because it, it it was received like cr- critically well, um, all that stuff, and and just like I don't I don't know how it didn't make it onto my radar. Mm-hmm. I I loved it. <laughs> good. I'm very happy. This is, I kind of agree with you in saying that it's not quite as weird as you expect. It's structurally bonkers. Yes. But within the multiple layers, the actual proceedings are relatively straightforward. Yeah. The movie is about. Explain. Right. Like, how many layers back do I have to start in order to summarize this movie? Right. A, in Florida, a man steals an orchid plant from a protected nature reserve. He's some sort of orchid smuggler. Uh, New Yorker writer Susan Orlean hears about this, writes a story about it for the magazine. An agent is like, this is a pretty good story. We think you should adapt it into a book. And then at the same time, we want to like option that book into a movie. Mm -hmm. So you have that man's life. The guy who steals the orchids. You have Susan Orlean writing a book about that man and getting more and more ingrained into his life. After the book has been written, then screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, Nicolas Cage playing actual screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Being John Malkovich. And we see behind the scenes footage of being John Malkovich in this movie. Then he's hired to write the screenplay based on the book that Susan Orlean wrote. And it's such a a atypical book. It doesn't have a traditional narrative structure. So he's really struggling with how he's going to adapt it. So we see these 
flashbacks and imaginings and potentialities and dreams. Yeah. You're not quite sure how everything is going to play out. Um, Cause he, even like one of the, like the, the film's description um, on, on I, I, wherever I watched it, I, I forget exactly. Um, but it mentions something about, uh, like a serial killer yeah. in 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 a script, and so I was like, "All right, so are they writing a m- movie based on this orchid thief that then becomes a serial killer? Like, what's happening here? Like, I just there there, there was like that's not what ha- happens, but mm-hmm. I was through like two thirds of this movie. You're kind of questioning like what is happening." Yeah. And like what like where is this going exactly? Um and then everything finally comes together in the th- in the th- third act. Uh and yeah, it's just it's a wild ride, very intense. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Kaufman lives with his identical twin brother Donald, also played by Nicolas Cage. Uh, and Donald also wants to get into screenwriting and he goes to a screenwriting course and he's going to write a, a serial killer surprise twist movie. And Charlie's just so exasperated at having this kind of doofus of a brother uh, who has everything go right for him. He has this dumb yeah. idea, but he believes in it so much. Everybody he talks to believes in it. Their mom likes the screenplay. Maggie Chillenhall likes the screenplay. And Charlie's like, why can't I get mine off the ground? Why is this happening to me? And he gets deeper and deeper into his own head. It's a yeah. lot of the movie is Charlie Kaufman's internal monologue of uh, myriad neuroses. Yeah. And in that sense, it's also a great movie about an artist just struggling with his work with a writer just not like 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 wrestling with this work uh this book that he is trying to adapt and just he can't figure it out um and what he ends up with is the movie that you're watching uh Mm. which is fascinating um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it's 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 interesting to see all, all of, of that and how it all mixes and morphs in together. And it just makes this incredible thing that you're watching. Um, I I even was was like, is is the character of Charlie Kaufman going to become the killer? Like, is he going to kill his brother <laughs> and like yeah. adapt his script like? kill him in the ways that his <laughs> yeah. script mentioned like it what's what's happening um there's so many 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 things that i was just like maybe it's this maybe it's that also part of why i enjoyed this a lot was because i have heard the name charlie kaufman uh mm. i've seen at least one or two of his movies um but i i, I did not know in in watching this, I did not go into it knowing what was real and what was not. Um, and so I, I didn't know, is the book The Orchid Thief a real thing or not? 
it is it's a mm. real book you can go check it out it's written by uh by susan or just like mentioned in the may i may but no charlie kaufman does not have a twin brother yes and 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 so like that's the thing of like oh it's like well i didn't I've never heard he had a twin brother. Does something happen to him in this movie? Is that why I haven't heard of his twin brother? Right? Like, I, I like my whole, I'm just sitting there like, I have no idea what's right. happening. <laughs> what's going on? What's true? What's not? Um, so, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was good. Donald it was Kaufman fun. is fictional. He existed prior to this movie. Apparently, that's one of the stories charlie kaufman has told about being john malkovich that like his mm. he had a brother that helped pass the script along to director spike jones who directed this movie as well that's fabricated that's just part of the the fictional lore around the, the right. screenplay that got sold and i presume much more traditional ways yeah he invented a, a brother the brother is a character in oh the movie God. the brother is credited the movie yes. is listed as screenplay by Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. And at Amazing. the Oscars, when this movie was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, it was credited to, they read it on the ceremony, Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. Amazing. <laughs> the Oscars, everybody played along. That's so great. Like, uh, yeah, Don <laughs> couldn't be here tonight. Yes. He had an engagement, <laughs> right? Yeah, it didn't win, um, but it's very funny that it was nominated and spoken of as such. Amazing, yeah. Um, this was a good time indeed. I'm glad we got to watch this one. Uh, some great performances. Um, yeah, Nick Cage's is fascinating in this, uh, especially since he gets to play a, a dual role. Um, mm -hmm. Man, uh, Glenn Close, that's her, right? No, no, Ma no. Meryl Streep. Good lord, um, <laughs> God, I don't know. I just you just named a blonde woman, I, a yep. fair-haired, well-established actress. Nailed it. Good job, Kyle. Um, yeah, like, like even her, like I, I had a blast watching her and the way she kind of like ends up falling in love with. Uh, this person that she's writing a book about uh, and then all of just the antics that happen after. Um, it's interesting. I, yeah, there's, there's so much, so much. So that's all I will say right now. Spoiler free. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff indeed. Um, cool. Well, I say. We take a quick mm -hmm. break for housekeeping. I, I know we, we, we tried to do a plot synopsis. It's kind of multi-layered. Hopefully you all could follow along. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll get into spoilers and start talking about the film more in depth uh, when we come back. So we will be right back. Here at The Whatnots, we make multiple different shows, and a lot of hard work goes into making them, so we would love it if you check them all out. If you enjoy our shows, patreon.com slash the whatnots is the best no. place to show your support. 
For just a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes and at our $3 tier, a Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Pilots Club. You can even get a shout out and thank you on most of our shows at the $5 tier. And if you're one of our patrons already, thank you so much. It means the world to us. You can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch for video versions of the shows, trailer reactions, and live streams. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a mug or something else, head over to thewhatnots.com store to pick up some merch today. All right, and we are back once again. A big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. We love you a lot. Thank you. It means a ton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you are at the three dollar tier or above on our Patreon, you get access to the Pilots Club. And this month we got to talk about Cable Girls. This is a Netflix show uh, from from Spain. Uh, it is a period piece set in the 1920s about a group of women who take a job as switchboard operators at a telecommunications company and there are various reasons for doing so i think it's uh, a show that uh tackles a bunch of the the issues and problems that women faced at the time but is also kind of a heist crime story soap opera stuff it's <laughs> it was an interesting uh mm-hmm. one for sure uh and from what i understand helped to launch netflix spain um so yeah, go go ch- check out us talking about the pilot of that right here on the review show. This past week, we got to talk about season three of The Good Place. We've been covering The Good Place as our end of the month special for the past couple months. Um, we will do the fourth and final season of that show here at the end of July. So be on the lookout for, for that. That has also been a good time. Um, over on the captain's log, we just had our annual trivia night, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All kinds of interesting questions and a very, very close trivia night. Yes. It came down Spoiler to the wire. Alert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that one is always a blast. We had Ignacio on the podcast uh, with us as well. Uh, and then over on the reactor core, last but not least, we also have a spoiler cast for Wes Anderson's new f- new film, Asteroid City, as well as our ongoing reactions slash discussions to Secret Invasion marvel's new show on disney plus so there you go that's all the stuff we're up to here at the whatnots lots of exciting things to be on the lookout for but without further ado let's get into spoilers on adaptation all right yeah i there's so many layers to this um and it's it's interesting the way in 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 which you get the story told to you because yeah it starts Mm -hmm. out with a black screen 
and it's <laughs> Nick Cage like talking to himself, right? And it's yeah. this like inner dialogue. It's his thoughts just kind of psyching himself up. Um, and then pretty quickly, yeah, it opens up on on this orchid thief uh, as as he is like in this like anaconda style, like creeping through the swamps <laughs> to get yeah. this flower. Um, and then it's it's it, he gets it and he's on his way out and the cops pull him over. And you think it's going to be a little more tense than it is. And it yeah. kind of ends up just being a, a, a comedy almost in that <laughs> moment as he's like he just found this this loophole that is like yeah. it's it's not really a loophole, but it's a technicality. But no one's really sure the legality. Yeah, of Yeah, like his. He organized the thing, but he never like laid a hand on any of the plants he's got. A right. crew of guys who I want to say are from the the Seminole tribe. They're for, they're indigenous to th- that area in Florida, and I suppose the loophole is that you know, if it's their land, they can touch what they whatever want. they yeah. want. Yeah, like the fact that this is a protective nature reserve does not apply to the indigenous community. So he just organizes them to go in there and pick up orchids, and then he takes them to his nursery. And his whole idea is. I will breed more of these orchids and then that yep. way nobody has to traverse into these protected nature lands right. yeah. uh, to, to try and steal them themselves. Like the nature pr- preserve is going to be better preserved. I make some money. People get more orchids. Cool deal. John LaRoche, a hero. The poor cop just has no idea what to, to do. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, can, can you just right, like, he's wait there? there? <laughs> He's just confessing to everything. Like, yes, we did take the orchid from the swamp. My friends here did it. You will notice they were all from the Seminole tribe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, like, hard cut to, 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 mm. to them, like having the bags of flowers all laid out. This is this kind, and this is that. It's just, it's this kind of like funny situation that is like, I, I had so many feeling of just like what am i watching right away uh and i i feel like that feeling stuck with me through the through most of the movie um i mean even at the 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 end too but still like especially the the first like two thirds of this just being like okay but what exactly am i watching here Mm -hmm. um if 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 i had to say what my biggest critique is, is that it th- those first two thirds of the film maybe do feel like they just kind of meander a little bit too much. But that's the point, though. Exactly. That's the dividing line between the first two thirds and the final third is the yeah. first chunk of the movie is Charlie's screenplay. And he outright tells Agent Tilda Swinton, a- agent that she works for the studio. She- she's not like working with the Secret FBI agent, or the men right. in black or anything. Right. <laughs> we don't get that weird with this. <laughs> but he's telling her, I want to write screenplays that feel like real life. I do not want to add drama that isn't there. I do not want to add sex, violence, crime allegory social commentary i don't want characters to learn lessons or overcome obstacles i want this to feel like 
super grounded and real and real life just sort of meanders. That's what it's like. I want to write a script that realistic. And Which it's is... Donald who's writing a very yeah. high concept thriller. And then as soon as Charlie agrees to let Donald help him write the screenplay, then the movie becomes a thriller for the final act. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 interesting in the ways that the movie twists in on itself because yeah, you do get that scene of him being like life sometimes just kind of goes nowhere and i feel like that's the the rut that he feels like he's in right and he's just like i want no nonsense i'm not gonna embellish anything and that's exactly what happened that's what this movie is it's an embellishment on all of this Um, this is reminding (laughs) me of the beginning of the movie rubber where the town sheriff steps out and addresses the audience and is like you ever seen something in a movie that didn't make sense in et what's up with that little alien guy i don't know this is gonna be a movie kind of like that <laughs> right it's it's all, the, all all the stuff he's like the stuff that i don't want to do that's what this movie's gonna become yeah, yeah. but the the first right the first two thirds feel like they meander in the way that he wants them to but also in like a traditional narrative like movie narrative sense mm. It is right around the two thirds mark. And and, and that's just like a, a, a general mm. like about two thirds of the way in. Yeah, um, it is about the moment that I'm really starting to be like, okay, something needs to happen. Like what's going to happen here? And mm. the moment I think it's about to just nothing happens. Bam, something ha- yeah. happens and it's just like, oh, good. Right. Sweet. This is perfect. Um, and so, yeah, like as, as much as that is like my biggest critique of that, it just like, some people might get bored within those friends. Like it's on purpose though. Like that's Mm -hmm. how you're supposed Mm -hmm. to feel. You're supposed to feel a little bored, maybe a little like what's really happening. Is this really going to go anywhere? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it just a sad movie about this guy who's unsuccessful (laughs) and just can't adapt this book? Mm Hmm. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, yeah. it's, a, it's a character study on Charlie who can't feel centered and focused on anything in his life. Like when he's sitting at that lunch meeting talking to Tilda Swinton and she's talking to him about the success of his screenplay for being John Malkovich. And she's like, we've got this book that we'd really like you to adapt. Did you read the book? What did you think about it? Isn't that guy quite a character? What if you wrote a romance into it? Like she's saying just sort of very standard, almost generic studio agent things. And he's so nervous that he is sweating buckets, which I found personally very funny because earlier this year we watched the movie Michael Clayton, which starts with Tilda Swinton's character being excessively sweaty and nervous before a big meeting. I think it's funny that in this couple months we've seen her sweat. We've seen her sweat and be sweated at. But Charlie's internal monologue. Double role last year. (laughs) Suspiria. It all recurs. It all rhymes. Absolutely. Charlie's internal monologue is just straight nerves. And it's nerves about stuff that's not even related to what's going on. He's like, 
I'm so nervous. I'm so hot. God, I'm so fat. I got to work out more. I got to join a gym. What are people going to think of me at the gym? How am I going to find time for that? I got to do this. Why don't I go to the doctor more? I went to the doctor and I went to the gym more. I think I'd feel more confident. Does she notice I'm not confident? Is everybody seeing this? It's just a constant spiral, like leapfrogging from one topic to another. Like he can't even focus in his worries. He is worried about literally everything all at once, uh, which I found very relatable. So, so I, I just went to uh, Charlie Kaufman's Wikipedia page. Being John Malkovich was his first, I guess, major film. I don't know mm. if he did. He, he did some TV work before in the 90s uh, and stuff. And then in 1999 is when he did being John Malkovich. So, yeah, I guess this is still fairly early on in his career mm-hmm. of that stuff. So I I I guess like that was also one of the the things i did not know that i'm just kind of realizing is like how early on in his career this is Mm. um and so yeah being um like in that position where he like they are coming to him specifically being like you're the guy like we're confident in you Mm. and he's just like ah I've made like two movies, dude. Like, I, right. and I it's, don't know. From the outset, it is also puzzling. We just watched the movie adaptation. We knew what it turned out to be. And I think at least I knew going in, this is a weird meta movie. So uh, having seen being John Malkovich previously, I could draw the line in, in Charlie Kaufman's oeuvre between these two things. But within the movie and within the life as it is it is sort of puzzling that they'll see the script for being john malkovich and then look at this book about an orchid thief and think that's our guy he should write this and i was listening to uh, an episode of the podcast unspooled about Mm -hmm. this movie and they were talking about how uh he had he just done being john malkovich when they when they wanted him for this job and the studio called susan orlean and it's like We've got a screenwriter to adapt that book. He's the guy who did killing John Malkovich. Like he was so new. They didn't even get the name of his one movie. Correct. That's so funny. That's how fresh he was. And they're remarking that if Charlie Kaufman had, if, if any screenwriter had tried to do something meta like this, the screenplay is about me trying to write the screenplay later on in their career it might be kind of obnoxious but when you barely know the guy and there's no like persona really attached to it it's just the premise of screenwriter can't write screenplay writes it about himself like it works so well that like he takes a swing this bold as second major project yeah it 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 is a bold swing and it is a like he he i, I don't want to say he's like an unknown variable right of just like 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 this guy's got talent but we don't really know exactly what he can do like it's not that far but it is still kind of this like uncertainty in like what is this guy's career really gonna be like and so it's early enough where yeah i feel like you can pull a move like that and it's it's it can like a fresh and exciting take rather than uh like 
jaded director also yeah. writes that like it's like okay you're doing another one of these movies right um just like oh okay interesting this is new um and it it's interesting that i think they even then continued on to make this and were like yes we will actually turn this script into a movie yeah. here even though it's not what we wanted you to do it's still really interesting um because like, i i could very much see them saying no and then he maybe goes a more independent route and like changes the name of the book and the 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 author's net right all that stuff and it's just yeah. like it's it's not superman but he's like uberman right you know he's, <laughs> yeah this um, is my totally original character bonic the hedgehog <laughs> exactly <laughs> um yeah like so i i it it feels like a risky move when you look back on the whole thing and just like wow this got made and yes. it was good. <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i don't I, know I mean, maybe if you could ever do anything risk, like this again yeah i it it is a such a singular film <laughs> yeah absolutely i I really did admire how many layers deep it went, even to where at the beginning of the movie, you see like a video montage of the history of like the orchid, like the orchid plants yeah. throughout history. And then later in the movie, you get to the point where Charlie's like, OK, I've got the story about John LaRoche stealing orchids. I've got Susan Orlean learning about John LaRoche and trying to adapt his story and trying to interview him. And he's already working with a couple different elements. And he's like, I don't know how to tie these together. I need to go back further and show, like, how did everything start? How is everything connected? And he ends up going back to the Big Bang. He goes yeah. way too far. It is This is, like, the more manic Nicolas Cage we get in the movie of him screaming into a tape recorder, like, the earth is Single born. Single-celled Jimmy the one-cell boy from Bill Nye the Science Guy. You know, man, he starts walking. <laughs> Dinosaurs are here for a little while, then they're not. There's an ice age. Which, this is the second movie this year that we have gotten scenes of, like, the start of life into <laughs> dinosaurs. And the, the first one that we've covered this yes. year was the Super Mario Bros. movie, <laughs> the original one. <laughs> so we're dealing with many different echoes this year. Echoes of the past. The theme for the uh, Whatnots review show 2023. <laughs> I like that at the beginning of the movie, Charlie is legitimately looking at his screenplay in progress as this will be about the orchids. He's like, I'm really going to learn about orchids. And he gets all of these books and he goes to orchid shows and that was something I found genuinely interesting about the movie is that I felt like I really learned actual facts about the natural world. And I just Googled it, that ghost orchid, that's like the main flower being mm -hmm. sought after throughout the movie. I don't know if you can like pulverize it and turn it into a drug, but I'm Googling it. That is exactly what it looks like with those weird tendrils that look like little dancing legs. Yeah. So I you 
you're learning about these real people, even down to uh, Robert McKee, I think was his name, the guy giving mm-hmm. the screenplay seminar. Absolutely real guy. He's saying like real Robert McKee principles in the seminar. Like so much of this is real, including the facts on the natural world. I don't know. I maybe Donald Kaufman is the sole fictional thing in the movie. <laughs> it goes down so deep. He, I mean, the, the even the Wikipedia says some of the stuff that like the romance between the author of the book and like that stuff mm. never really happened. Um, some 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 stuff like that. But I, yeah, it's it's interesting to me because. He's so adamant about like, I want this movie to be about flowers, be about the flower. Uh, And I thought that was an interesting angle to take because that is Mm -hmm. with a book entitled The Orchid Thief. Right. The orchid has value. That's why he's stealing it. Yes. Um, And and so if, if you can tell the story of that flower and why it's endangered and why it's so valuable and why it's so hard to get like that could make an interesting story. I think yeah. like, he's he's not wrong. He's on to something with that. Of Like, here's an interesting aspect that both literally and figuratively has value. Um, mm-hmm. And beyond that, he doesn't really know where to go with it. and. To me, that was just another one of the like multi-layer metaphor things happening within this is like it, it, it's 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 a white flower in the same vein of like this is the white whale, right? Like this is the, uh, yeah. the coveted thing that we are looking for. We want to make the story about this. And he just can't do it. He can't tackle it. Um, and it starts to become this. Uh, thing about obsession about failure about uh like hey i'm i guess a more positive way to look at it would be like hey if you aim for the stars what's that one saying right aim for the stars you'll hit the moon right like it it's it's kind of a story about that of of like sometimes your goal is one thing and you won't reach that you you won't mm-hmm. make it, but you'll end up somewhere else that you did not expect. And that could be just as equally rewarding in its own way. Uh, and that's like it's it's how we get what we watched. Um, and even the movie is being like and, and there's this thing of like a snake eating its tail. And he's like the walrus. He's like the what? The Ouroboros. He goes, that's a dumb name. Like, no, I I, I don't think that's what it's called. Um. I do love all the sequences of Donald just coming to bother Charlie, usually while he's trying to masturbate or something. I mentioned earlier that this movie is dream sequences. I believe they are exclusively sex dreams. Not since when we watched Black Swan this year. Has the character's journey been so hinged on successful orgasms? (laughs) But I, I, this movie really took me back to an era I hadn't really thought about, which is Donald doing a serial killer movie, a big, high concept investigative drama serial killer movie. 
like, oh, right. After like in the era of like Silence of the Lambs and Seven Mm -hmm. and like along came a spider and kissed the girls and all of that stuff. Like that was an era in in film uh, that I'm still too young and inexperienced to have really thought of on my own. But they pointed that out. I'm like, right. We don't get as many of those anymore. Ralph, it, it's all gone to like the true crime Hulu series. Podcasts, We yeah. don't have the big serial killer movies. We don't, I guess we had the snowman. <laughs> and I don't know the last time I don't even we know had that one. one of these. I mean, That's yeah, the one it, it's, where it's he gone gives the way Mr. of like Policeman television show. Um, mm. right, right, like it's gone the way of like, well, if we have more time, we can draw out the mystery yeah. and we can but like and I think it, it works a little bit better for television that way and podcasts. And now we're starting to get the television shows and movies about <laughs> podcasts about the true crime stuff. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, yeah. Weird but I, layers for sure. I think that I think that was a good choice for the type of screenplay that his brother is working on. And he's like, it's going to be about a serial killer who kidnaps this woman and taunts a police officer. And as the police officer's trying to solve this mystery and find out who is this girl who was taken, where was she taken? He falls in love with the girl as this like and all unattainable the same thing. person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're all different aspects. They're all different altars of one person. And he's like, how do you film that like what does this look like on screen how are you going to do this thing and like i'm, like I'm sitting there the whole with... the whole time being like actually that like i i would watch that I, <laughs> right? I, would i fall for the three probably yep. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that i wouldn't if you wait until the very end of the movie after the credits there is a a quote from the fictional screenplay of the three talking about how it's, it's a quote from the girl in that movie saying all we are ourselves in a body, but we're so small. We can't see the body. It's like how fish don't know they're in the ocean. We're all part of one bigger thing. What's the point of hurting each other and hating each other? Why would a lung cell hate a heart cell? Something like that. And then there is a in memory of Donald Kaufman title card. And that's how the movie ends at the very, that's very so end funny. of the thing. <laughs> I like so I, I like how the movie places itself in 2002 era pop culture and the in the film world at that time, mm-hmm. as I understand it, uh, being a 12 year old who just watched Ebert and Roper at the movies. But it. <laughs> The one thing about the timing of this movie that did kind of stick out to me was that Donald and Charlie are both still working on typewriters. I'm like, I thought you would have at least had a PC. This is I I understand if you don't have a laptop, but there's not a big clunky beige monitor anywhere in your house. Well, that so that because yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I don't I didn't necessarily think it was weird though. Like Charlie feels more like a writer's writer. And so having a typewriter does feel natural. Whereas I feel like Donald might, right? He would be be the the one one to get it on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. He wants the new 
flashy hot thing right that's why he's at the the seminar um like he he feels like he's up on the culture in a way that charlie is not and and Mm -hmm. or or at at least charlie is much more (laughs) absorbed might not be the right word but much more in his feelings and his Mm -hmm. thoughts of just like i just want to be a writer period um and yeah, so I th- that didn't bother me at at all. That's not even something I thought of. But I like the relationship between Charlie and Donald because mm. it, it it is one of those things. If if you look back on the film, knowing that Donald is not real in real life, <laughs> then um what does that say about his inclusion in this film? Is is this a manifestation of Charlie's intrusive thoughts of where he thinks his life should be? Um, mm-hmm. The goals that he has, the success that he wants, is that what he really wants to be doing, but wants to make himself stand out by being like, I'm going to make it about the flower. No sex, no mm. car ch- chases, no, right? Um like is he trying to make himself stand out by not doing that stuff in a time when that was the hot sexy thing to do in hollywood maybe did 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 you have thoughts like that as you were watching the movie of because we we do we start the film with that like i said it's a black skirt screen we hear these like intrusive thoughts of just like does she know that i'm sweating can she see that i'm nervous (laughs) i should really go to the gym more often will that make me look more confident do i need to shop at a different store right it's like Mm -hmm. it almost seems nonsensical but it like i feel like it all kind of adds up and culminates to i'm trying to create an image for myself i'm trying to find my identity within all of this here um and Donald just felt like this is the guy that has it together. Yeah. For as much of a a doofus as he kind of is, Donald loves himself. He believes in himself. He never second guesses himself. And Charlie second guesses himself constantly. He third, fourth, fifth guesses himself at every stage. Like the first day he sits down to try and write the screenplay, he gets like one line down and he's like, I'm tired. I should have a coffee. No, let me keep writing, and then I'm allowed to have a coffee as a break, as a treat. Yeah, that's how I'll do it. I'll write a couple yeah. pages, then I'll have a coffee, and I'll have a muffin. Banana nut, that's a good muffin. And <laughs> that's a good the- muffin. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that as the movie goes on, the very final scene of the movie before the credits, he goes and sort of makes amends with this friend he was trying to get with and she liked him but he was too uh nervous to ever make a move he goes and meets with amelia and then he's driving away and he's knows what he's going to do with the screenplay he's feeling much more confident and he still has that internal monologue but it's more of a straight line it it is a whole sentence that makes sense he's not nervous he's not jumping around all over the place I liked the evolution of the monologue and not the instead of a disillusion, the right. dissolvement of the monologue. There's not zero monologue. It's a confident monologue. How 
he's not going to stop talking to himself, but it's like, how do you better your own self-talk and your own sense of yourself and your whole life in your head? I, yeah. I think that's an important journey that you don't get in a lot of movies. I think that's a really cool detail because, yeah, he, he, even the times he has the questions or anecdotes in his narration at the mm. end there, they're still on theme, right? They're still on the stuff and not like banana nut muffins, man. What a good muffin, right? It, it's it's I wonder if that actor would play him, but I hope he doesn't do the accent because I didn't really like that accent in that one thing. Like it's still it's on it's yeah. on like it's on theme mm. that stuff but it's still an anecdote like he doesn't yeah. need to mention the accent or do any of mm. that right but it's still like he's he, right it's, he has a direction he's yes he's going on a tangent but he is not spiraling and like yeah, completely exactly. jumping that's, ship that's from so like cool. one worry to another yeah and to talk about susan in comparison to the kaufman brothers we've got uh, Charlie, who has no confidence, Donald, who is, is, you know, possibly too much confidence. And then you have Susan, who is a, a smart, competent, successful, well-liked writer, takes herself very seriously as a journalist. You can see that she kind of looks at herself as above most of the stuff that's going on. Like when John LaRoche is talking to her, she's not writing down anything he's actually saying. She just writes delusions of grandeur. His van smells. Like she's right, not yeah. really taking him at face value, trying to meet him on his terms. And it as their meetings and as these sort of interviews go on, and he talks about how the orchids are just the latest of all of his hobbies. You know, when he was a kid, he was really into turtles and then fossils and then tropical fish. And, and one day he's like, I'm done with tropical fish. Time for orchids now. Like he's jumped from passion to passion, but when he was with that passion, he was truly with it. He was in deep. He loved that thing. He's and then the you see big going from flower yes, to flower, pollinating yeah. all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Susan's like, I don't think I've ever loved anything that much. I've never been that passionate about anything. I've never truly invested myself in something and like had that sensory attachment ever been like yeah. so completely aware of just like absolutely experiencing one thing and it makes her look at her life different and suddenly like shakes her confidence like i i get i've been leading a good life but now i realize there's an element i'm really missing mm-hmm. i have to figure out how to at least in this one regard live more like don LaRoche. how do right. i love yeah. something the way he loves something it caught my attention because you're, you're right. When she's first there with him, it feels more like she's paying attention to the atmosphere around mm. him. Like, what is it like for me to be here in this moment with him? And yeah, it is like this guy yeah. has delusions of grandeur. The car smells. Mm. It's stuff like that. And she's starting to build a rapport i guess that's maybe why she's taking the time to write that stuff down mm. then of of like this guy barely knows who who i am why would he trust me or open up with the real juicy stuff right now let me get this stuff down first 
And then as she starts to get deeper in, she starts to notice not these discrepancies, but just weird things that he has of, yeah. of like, I used to have the biggest collection of this and that. And he might be lying. We're not entirely yeah. sure, but you can't really prove it. And that's not the interesting thing. And he's not really mm -hmm. willing to talk about it. It's the fact that he has done this multiple times or says he ha has and is on to something else and then you get this sense of like but when is all of this now gonna end here yeah. when is the curtain gonna come down for all of this which also kind of added to my like okay this guy's just lying the whole time i think he's a serial killer what's <laughs> happening here is she gonna get murdered does does charlie solve the mystery does does he save her what's happening here um it it kept me on my toes in a way that i did not expect because we like we said we get that scene at the start just like this is gonna meander there's gonna be no sex there's gonna be and then she starts to 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 mm. blush when he says stuff, and it's just like, "Oh, wait a minute, what's happening mm. here? What's yeah. going on? Wait, but this guy said something about a serial killer and his thing. Does that factor in to this? I don't know. Why is this book so famous? Why is this stuff set in the past, and we haven't mm. seen the writer yet in the modern day time? Like, what's happening with all oh, of that? Right. <laughs> like, it's just." There's so many questions like it's it's expertly cr crafted in that way that your mind can meander off into one of these just like, but what if it's this? But what if it's banana nut muffins? But what I, if they do the accent? But what if the, the, the do I need to go to the gym? Right. <laughs> I, I perfect. I'm right. happy to hear your perspective. Not knowing what this movie was besides the little blurb I told you about last week, and Nick Cage plays both sets of both both men and a pair of twins. That you're like, nothing has told me this isn't a murder mystery. So if murder right? mystery yeah. is one of the topics, I will be led to believe. I will theorize somebody will get murdered. There will be huge twists. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why, like, I. I'm I'm not the biggest stickler for like spoiler stuff. I I mm. I will watch some trailers, but if I'm sold on certain things, I'm just like, all right, that's fine. I don't need need yeah. to see trailer four and TV mm. spot two and yeah, right. I I don't need to like granularly dissect all of the stuff that's in that. Sometimes it's so fun to just go in knowing nothing. Mm. And to just be led and pulled in all of these different directions and have your mind being like, but what if? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about that? Oh, no. All right. Well, what about this instead? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Right. To like solve the mystery I, of what this narrative is. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised by all the different layers and concentric rings of the structure of the thing. I didn't know it was meta in exactly that sense and there's a moment where donald comes to charlie and i don't even remember what they're talking about but he's like standing just outside the doorway to charlie's room he's kind of in shadow and he just says something a little too intensely 
I wish I could mm-hmm. remember what it is, but for that second, I'm like, is is he going to become a serial killer? Like right? I, yeah. I know more than you, but I was still unsure of exactly everything that's in this movie. It was so fun. Um, cause it, yeah, it, like as much as you can play this up as like a crime drama or even just a plain drama, um, you also do get moments of Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage, right? You also get uh, Donald, that one scene where he's like laying on the floor because there's something up with his back and he comes yes. like crawling in the room and, and then he asks some <laughs> important co- question and and he's like, all right, wait, 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 stop. And then he has to get on, on his yeah. back to, to be like, all right, now you can say it, right? And it's just like, what are you, what are you doing? This is so dumb. It's- it's, it's so good. <laughs> one of my favorite parts, it's when Maggie Gyllenhaal like sleeps over and she's there the next morning when like Charlie gets up to have coffee or whatever. She mm-hmm. comes in and she's talking to him about how great Donald's script is. And she's like, look at the two of you screenwriters living together. This was like a real brain factory in here. <laughs> and then Donald is talking about how he's at this point in the script where uh, the serial killer and the, the girl he's kidnapped are escaping on horseback while the cop chases them on a motorcycle. Yeah. He's like, it's, it's a, he's like, it's a horse and a motorcycle. It's the conflict between machine and, and I think he's going to say nature. And instead he just says between machine and horse. Which <laughs> yeah, is so good. Which is so hysterically specific. Like he's got the concept, the classic, screenwriting concept of the primary conflicts man versus God, man man versus re- self man versus nature can't name nature he's like horse i relate to that <laughs> so much i relate to that <laughs> so much the number of times on this podcast that i've wanted to say one thing and just can't quite get there I, but I'm, I'm just dancing around it even what? like me close no that's not right I, I, I knew the second it came out of my mouth that was not right but it was like but well donald in meryl street or like donald does not know the second it comes out of his mouth he never knows only charlie and the audience know we don't even know if maggie chillin hall knows but even to just like to 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 want to search for the right word to to know what I'm trying to to say, but can't quite succinctly say it. So instead, I have to talk around it and fill in the blanks around it to help identify it is that mm-hmm. thing that I'm trying to say that <laughs> word. Um, man versus horse. I just yeah, man. I I uh, I feel that. I feel it. Machine versus horse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also want to talk about the set design and just the sort of low key sadness that is pervasive throughout this movie. Yeah. Like it looks like Charlie sold the screenplay, got enough money to buy a good looking house. Like that's a fairly spacious you know, the, the house, you know, nothing about it is ramshackle or worn down. It doesn't seem like they're in a bad neighborhood. The house looks good, but he just has nothing in it. Yeah. There's nothing on any of the walls. The whole space is bare and blank. 
and like they don't even have a couch. I think that's like a futon mattress on just like a stack of pallets with like a sheet over it. Yeah. Like he's he sleeps on just like a plain metal bed frame, just like that little rectangle you just plop your mattress on top of. No yeah. headboard. There's just like the $12 lamps you can buy at Walmart just sort of pointed at the wall. That's one of the saddest spaces I have been in. It's it Charlie Donald's house. It feels like a house that they bought or rented due to convenience of the location, mm. right? It's close by to the studios or something like that. But it was just so astronomically expensive that it's like, well, we can get the house, but we literally can't get anything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like, I, we're just going to be in here with like sleeping bags, ramen mm-hmm. and an electric skillet. Right. <laughs> that yeah, we, yeah. And, like that's kind of it. Um, yeah, it's just empty. And that it, it's just I, I feel like it is another one of the layers to the movie because it feels like a look inside charlie kaufman's head mm-hmm. as he's struggling to write the script there's mm. nothing in in there he can't mm. uh, it, it like he has writer's block he's stuck he's making it work right but yes. he's just stuck whereas we don't really see donald's room but again mm. despite him kind of being a goof he does kind of seem a little more put together Right. He has a girlfriend that sleeps over and and yeah. stuff like that. Like, even though he's in the same house, yeah. which, again, leads back to my like, is he just a manifestation of mm-hmm. some of his intrusive thoughts or like his more successful self? Um, but, yeah, he's in the same place. But we, you also don't really get to see his space exactly. He's. His, I can imagine his being more appointed to where he has a race car bed and the free tiger <laughs> poster from Zoo Books. <laughs> just has a collection of Zoo Books on the bookshelf. He's got everything you could buy in a Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> he, he, has, he has the rug on the floor that's like the, the, the town map with the, you can put the race <laughs> cars on. Oh, God. Um, I also love that whenever he calls their mom, you never hear from the mom. You never see the mom. But I like that she's she believes in Donald's screenplay and she's giving him compliments as if she is an industry insider. Like, right. Yeah, it's a taut psychological thriller, Donnie. (laughs) This feels like psycho meets Silence of the Lambs. You'll sell it for sure. God, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I there's it It feels like there's references to and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure when in relation it takes place or like when if this comes before some of the things that like my mind went to of like, oh, they're referencing this one thing or not. But even in his relationship to Donald, it at sometimes felt like it like is is this the. Like, I am, how does he say, like, I'm Jack's something, something, something. Uh, He would always name, like, I'm Jack's feeling of trauma. I'm Jack's loneliness or whatever he says in Fight Club. Yeah. Okay. Um, But, like, it felt, it almost felt like that. Or, yeah, when you don't see his mom on the phone, it felt like something. Like, I 
there's something I feel like that it's mm-hmm. kind of a reference to, but not. I, but, it's, you know, it's every it's funny because the actual Charlie Kaufman from our world did create the splinter alter ego of Donald within the screenplay. And then Donald is writing his own screenplay about disassociating identities and alters. Yes. You're like, is that going to be the twist of the movie? But no, it's just the twist of the movie within the movie and the world outside of the movie. It's on like layers one and three, but not layer two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All sorts of good stuff like that. Um, Man, I, yeah, this is also uh, the second time in like a two week span. I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played his agent, Ron Livingston. uh, Yeah. Who's, who's also in uh, office space. We just saw him in the flash. Uh, Mm. He's, he's in that too. I I wasn't expecting to see him that, that much in this short, short amount of time time um yeah i did uh he, he had an awkward is part also... in that one but still also kind of <laughs> feels true to the stereotypes i feel like i've heard of that era hollywood <laughs> stuff sure. right so yeah i don't know it's i i know he is based on a real person i think he is exaggerated and cartoonified I think most people in this movie have got a real counterpart, even if they don't behave the way that real person behaves. Uh, but yeah, I need to see him. Nice supporting cast in this movie. I mm-hmm. always love to see a young Judy Greer. That's one of the delights of going back to a movie from the early 2000s. Is sometimes Judy Greer's in it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a blast with this. It once he goes to the, I was about to say webinar. It's not a webinar because they're not online. It's an in-person seminar. It's a face-inar. It's a face-inar. When he goes to that and he asks the question, which I I feel like what he's trying to get at is a valid Mm. question, right? And is Mm. something that writers try to put into their work of a sense of, realism in that mm. not everything is a tight hollywood a a, a tight suspense uh when she say a taut, taut suspenseful thriller a suspenseful thriller not everything is that not everything ties up nicely with a mm. bow right and i think that's what he's getting at but the way he words it he just gets chewed out like immediately from this guy in this seminar who's also right uh, who's just like Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day you're writing a story like you're not writing real life you're writing a story um and and so yeah you have to get them in the third act is what he did there and so like that was my my hint that like okay here we go. They're about to do something right of like now the third act is beginning because they have to hook me now because they haven't done anything else, <laughs> even though it was still interesting. Right. But um, then we get our third act. And yeah, it is this like suspense. There's drugs. There's infidelity. There's affairs. There's sex. There's all there's crime. It's what is happening. Mm-hmm. 
there's a chase sequence. They're following someone. They're using binoculars to spy on people. <laughs> there's uh, uh, the classic twin, like, well, I'll go in your place, and they won't even oh know. And <laughs> just, like, this, the amount of stuff they pack into that last yeah. act of the, the f- <laughs> film, I think is incredible, and in a way that doesn't feel bloated. Like, I... Yeah, just the the fact that it's only in that last third, you'd think like, oh, that's a a lot. It's overwhelming, but it it works, and it's a wild ride, and it's fascinating. So, good stuff. I had a blast. I don't. I yeah. really don't have much else to say. It, it yeah. was a great <laughs> one. I enjoyed this a lot. I did too. I'm I'm happy you got so much out of this. I was very happy you could cross this off my list after so many years. Yes. Now I just have to get to Synecdoche, New York, which I've also been <laughs> wanting to watch uh, for a very long time. There you go. There you go. Um, any other kind of final thoughts you want to add here? No. I'm pulling that's... up our bingo yeah. stuff here for our bingo check-in. Uh, we like to play entertainment trope bingo, movie bingo, however you want to call it here. Um, we have some bingo cards pulled up on screen. Uh, we don't have a treasure map. We don't have a villain with a pet. We don't have a ghost. We have a ghost orchid. Different. Um, do we get any kind of conspiracy board in it? No. No. There's probably a conspiracy board within Donald's screenplay for the three, but it is not right. mentioned or seen. I I don't think we really have any like I, I don't even think I get like sex scenes set to music or anything no. like that. So this might be a dud of a, a bingo update. We might not have we have anything here uh well i think it's it's it has stuff we've like already crossed off like sure. actor playing themselves anyways that's our bingo update mm. not much of one this week but we have a good time playing that as as we get yeah. further and further in the year it gets harder and more yeah. difficult We're to cr- only cr- cross like- off these squares yeah we're about halfway through the year. I think we've made good progress so far. I think we did good. I think we did mm-hmm. good. Um, okay, recommendations. Melissa, for people who enjoyed this, what else might they like? Uh, I want to mention that uh, the YouTube channel Cinefix from IGN Movies and TV recently put out a video called uh, the title of it is How a Creative Gamble Gave Birth to the Nicolas Cage Meme Machine. And the thumbnail is him from Vampire's Kiss, and it's labeled The Birth of the Nicolas Cage Meme Machine. That is a really <laughs> nice look at his uh, his career history, the types of roles he was in in the early days, and why mm-hmm. he wanted to take something and give the performance that he gave in Vampire's Kiss, which is from like 1988 and was really kind sure. of the turning point into the the Nicolas Cage that we know today. Yeah. The massive talent that causes such an unbearable weight. Exactly. Really nice video. Learned a lot from that. Uh, and of course, I have to shout out the other great Nicolas Cage in two different roles movie 
Face Off. There you go. There you go. <laughs> have you seen Face Off? I I have not, but I know the plot uh, of it because they do the exact same plot in the Star Wars, the Clone Wars <laughs> cart- cart- cartoon where Obi-Wan has to have someone else's face to go in the jail to get the info. What? To- <laughs> yeah. What? Amazing. Is, <laughs> so good. Do, does Rebels do a con air at one point? What else is in Probably. there? Probably. They, they might. <laughs> Uh, face off, even if you do know the premise, you know the jokes, face off is so much fun to watch. Please actually watch face off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um I I have one I can shout out real quick. This is the uh other or one of the other Charlie Kaufman movies I have seen. Uh one of his more recent uh ones from 2020 i'm thinking of ending things uh mm-hmm. this movie was bizarre and i loved it I, I it was one that was on netflix i think i had seen the trailer didn't really know what it was exactly it looked interesting looked a little spooky um and then i started watching i don't rem- remember if i had a couple p- people recommend it or say they were interested but when I finally started to check it out, it it just slowly morphs into like another movie and then it morphs into something else entire. It's just nice. weird and bizarre. I have no uh, other word to describe it besides bizarre. That's what this is. This is I, like the epitome of bizarre. And I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It sounded I didn't like know who made it or who was in it. It just sounded sad. Like the title is, made me feel so sad I wasn't going to watch it. But after hearing you talk about it and learning that it's if not a fun time, at least a strange time, I will always take yeah. a strange time. I don't know if it truly is a fun experience because, yeah, it is sad um it is melancholy the, through most of the movie but it it yeah it just kind of not devolves but just kind of metamorphosizes into something else i yeah just it's so hard to explain but on on the surface yeah it is about a guy and his girlfriend kind of having a little bit of a rough time in their relationship but it's some holiday time like thanksgiving or something and so they go to uh his parents house for the little uh, holidays to 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 eat and hang out with them and even when they get to the parents it's just kind of a strange time things aren't really exactly what they seem and then things really aren't exactly what they seem um so yeah yeah interesting stuff there nice um what else um i don't know i feel like this is a tough one to like truly recommend like this i've never seen it but the one dude from the orchid thief kind of reminded me of everything i've seen of the tiger king like that kind of stuff (laughs) remember him florida Um, (laughs) i 
I'd put Michael Clayton up up there. I feel like this is a good enough drama yeah. that I I feel like it it should be up there with with Michael Clayton. I'd call this a drama. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Earlier this year, when we were talking about sweaty movies, this has been a year of sweaty movies. <laughs> Only once did I do that on movie. purpose, but other times it's been accidental. One of the movies I pitched was Barton Fink, which is about a struggling screenwriter who has to keep facing all of these obstacles and all these weird characters. So I haven't yet watched Barton Fink. Uh, that's a theoretical recommendation. That's a recommendation to myself. Hey, yeah, Melissa, yep. treat yourself to a Barton Fink this weekend. Yeah. Here's another recommendation. However, it's kind of left field in in a lot of ways it's nothing like this movie but they also do share kind of one core thing um i just read volume one of a comic called radiant black um Mm. which is a fairly recent comic published by image comics uh i think the writer's name is kyle higgins and I don't I think the artist's name is even Coelho. I think I could be wrong on that. Um, but it's one that I've been wanting to check out for a while. And I had bought volume one, but it had been sitting on my shelf for a bit because I'm way behind and everything. Um, but it is it was the launch of a like a connected superhero universe of comics within image comics. Um, that is not in Image Comics initiative. It's like the creators' initiative. Mm. And there's a bunch of different creators, and there's uh, like there's Radiant Black, there's Radiant Red, Radiant Pink. There's wow. all these like spinoffs um, that just have like a v- volume or two out right now. And volume one was fantastic. It's incredible. It is about a struggling writer um mm. and he is in major debt and has to move back in with his parents and hasn't told his parents the reason why he moved back in with them just they know that he needs some help and he needs to, to spend some t- some time there and he's working on a screenplay uh and he has a short story that he's published previously that he now wants to expand out into a novel Uh, Mm -hmm. And he is struggling to expand this out or expand on the thing that made that short story so Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, And volume one is like the first six issues. And it was incredible. It was fantastic. And it's Mm -hmm. it's it's looking like it's starting to be one of those things where the novel he's going to write is influenced by his story and his journey of discovering like maybe i i can leave my old life behind and i can do something else and it's it's that kind of meta like his life is influencing the screenplay and maybe the screenplay is influencing his life because he's also writing it so he'd write like yeah whole big mess of stuff there but good volume one so far other than that, that was Radiant Black. Well, Melissa, if you don't have any other recommendations. I, no, no. I will get on to pitches for this next week. I, I have been anxious. What are the pitches? 
I have uh, some comics uh, that I okay. wanted to pitch. Um, a graphic, one that is just a graphic novel. One uh, is a like the start of a graphic novel series, and then one is a a manga. Um, okay. So pitch number one is called the Sixth G- Gun. This is by Colin Babun and Brian Hurt. Um, it says, according to Comixology, it says, During the darkest days of the Civil War, wicked cutthroats came into possession of six pistols of otherworldly power. In time, the sixth gun, the most dangerous of the weapons, vanished. When the gun surfaces in a in the hands of an innocent girl, dark forces reawaken. Vile men, thought long dead, set their sights on retrieving the gun and killing the and killing the girl. Only Drake Sinclair, a gunfighter with a shadowy past, stands in their way. But the guns have a power and a destiny more terrifying than anyone imagines. Um, so kind of uh, like a supernatural Western story, uh, maybe some horror th- thrown in there. Um, but I'm pitching this one because they just announced a revival of this series. Ah. Um, it had been completed for a little while. Uh, and it looks like the creators are back uh, with a new installment of this uh, in the near future, I believe. Uh, and I've always heard good, good things. Um, so thought, why not? Um, I wanted to pitch the uh, the sixth gun volume one deluxe edition, which is on Comixology Unlimited. If you have that and that collects the first 11 issues of the series. Okay. Um, 11. Yeah. So that is pitch number one. Pitch number two is the graphic novel that I mentioned. One of my recent favorites, Melissa, I know you've heard me mention this a bunch. This is The Many Deaths of Lila Starr by Ram V and Felipe Andrade. Uh, This is also available on Comixology Unlimited if you have that. And it says, uh, humanity is on the verge of discovering immortality. As a result, the avatar of death is cast down to Earth to live her mortal life in Mumbai as 20-something Lila Star. Struggling with her newfound mortality, Lila has found a way to be placed in the time and place where the the creator of of immortality will be born. Will Lila take her chance to stop mankind from permanently altering the cycle of life, or will death really become a thing of the past? Um, yeah, there's some magical realism happening in this. It's only five issues, but this book, uh, when I bought this and checked it out instantly, jumped up there, and I love this okay. book. This is one of the best books I've read period i think it is beautiful um the artwork in only... this book 
Only five issues to read in this one? Correct, yeah. Okay. A real short one. Um, And, uh, yeah, the artwork in this book is phenomenal. Uh, I also wanted to put this one in because the creative team of this is also working on a new book uh, that is coming out in the near future called Rare Flavors, which seems Mm. to be food related but in a way that i'm not quite certain what they mean by food related like is this like (laughs) like are you is this about the like rich and powerful like wanting to like taste human meat here what is happening right or is is this something else um so (laughs) i thought that was interesting uh and they they made a great book here so we haven't even read Chew yet, and people are coming out with more food-related comics. Slow down. <laughs> we already did Chow Down Champs. Right. <laughs> um, let me see here. My third and final pitch is a manga that is kind of one of those things that I, in my old comic book store in Richmond, it was one that I saw and was always very curious about, but never truly like picked it up off the shelf to see mm. what it actually is. Uh, I have seen an animated adaption of one of this this manga's uh, 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 other works called Tech on Kincrete, which is something that I did a podcast on for the Whatnots podcast yeah. way back. Oh, that's what I know the name when, from. When yeah, it's the same cr- creator. Uh, but this is a book called Sunny um, and says Sunny is the story about the foster children in the star kids home, a combination group home and orphanage facility. They struggle with both the everyday issues of growing up and those specific of being abandoned or orphaned children. Their only way out of their situation is the Sunny, a dilapidated old car in the front lawn of the home. The Sunny is used by the children to go magically wherever they want, travel the world, go to space, or just find a refuge from the the troubles of reality. Um, So I have also heard good things about this book. Um, this one is available in the Viz Manga app, which uh, I believe you can get a free week-long trial if you have not checked it out yet. Um, but it is a dollar ninety-nine a month for the the app, and you get access to all sorts of manga and stuff, which is a really really good deal. Um, and yeah, they have all of the uh volumes there's only six volumes total so i say maybe we do the first three of of that first half um that is pitch number three so to review we got the sixth gun we got the many deaths of lila star and sunny as my Mm -hmm. pitches so uh i think i would have picked this anyway based on how you've talked about it but since we had to push recording back this week i love the idea that the many deaths of layla star is only five issues i will pick the short one kyle it is a great one um yeah i'm excited to talk 
this. I have a nice hard back version of this. I actually have a soft cover too because I got that one because I was like, I don't know when the hardback is coming out or if it will. So I want to get this one. And they finally made a hardback one and I'm so excited. (laughs) So it's good. But yes, it is on Comixology Unlimited uh, for you guys to check out. Yeah. I do want to say that I, Cullen Bunn was writer of one of our old review show faves, Harrow County. Uh, I would mm-hmm. like to read some more Cullen Bunn someday. I don't know. I don't know about this one. I don't know if I want to go to like murderous World War, you know, Civil War ghosts. Uh, but uh, thank you for bringing some Cullen Bunn. For sure. Out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah. So for next week, we will do The Many Deaths of Lila Starr by Rom V and Felipe Andrade. Uh, I'm excited about that one, but that wraps us up for this week. So, Melissa, where can the people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, a show I co-host with my own brother about weird old kid shows you feel like only you remember. And he's real. I've met him. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah, (laughs) just in case there's any confusion, right? Um, Have you met the other brother? (laughs) It was it was it was James's birthday yesterday, and Tim showed up, and so many of James's friends were like, "There's another one of you guys." (laughs) Like, yes, we have one much older brother. Surprise, here he is. Good stuff. You guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer. We're at the Whatnots on Twitter. Go like, share, subscribe. You guys know the deal with that. Um, but yeah, this has been number 260 of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.